This is the man in black here. A shadow lord. He's alive. Alive! Welcome to the Retroist Halloween Special. On today's show, you're going to hear stories from contributors, some familiar names you've seen on the site, and some new friends. We have a great show filled with wonderful memories, so without further ado, let's start the show. contributor is a regular on the Retroist. He's also contributed to the Retroist podcast, Tom Burgess. Friday, October 31st, 1980. Halloween. The school day was pretty routine, but later, after a lunch of beanie weenies in the school cafeteria and a recess filled with running around playing Star Wars, we'd have our classroom Halloween party. A time of eating orange frosted cupcakes, drawing and coloring pumpkins, and playing heads up seven up. After school as we did every other school day, we had to walk through the cemetery which lay between our school and our homes. But this day was Halloween, which now made the walk extra spooky. My friends Corey, Jerry, and I walked down the access road through the cemetery talking about whatever 10-year-olds talk about in 1980, probably Star Wars. Anyway, as we walked through the graveyard, flanked by large maple trees and ridiculously huge gothic headstones, a gigantic garden spider was building a web directly in our path. I'm not sure who noticed it first, but before anyone had the chance to scream like a little girl, the dinner plate-sized, well, what appeared to be a dinner plate-sized spider connected with Corey's face. There was a silence... And then the yelping and flopping, like a fish, commenced. Not just from Corey. No, we all had a major freakout. I remember we ran all the way through the cemetery, not looking back because there was a possibility that that spider had friends and they were ready to get us. This run-in with death would set the tone for the rest of the evening. Once home, I went straight to my room. I wasn't in trouble or anything. Uh, I was just going to visit my new Ben Cooper Stormtrooper costume. Man, that mask looked great, but the rest of the costume bit, not so much. I mean, do we really need an illustration of a Stormtrooper emblazoned on the chest of a Stormtrooper? I guess it could have been worse. At least I wasn't Bozo the Clown like I was the year before. So dinner time came and went, and now, now it was time to trick-or-treat. This Halloween, my friends and I would be on our own, no parents. 
This year, we were trusted to go out by ourselves. We made a plan earlier in the day at school. We'd not only hit the houses of people that we knew, we would hit every house in the neighborhood. We might even go further than that. My friends gathered at Jerry's house. After a parental briefing, we headed out. We methodically hit every house in sight. We went up one street and down the other side. Near the border of the neighborhood was a local college. We would skirt the border of the college and make our way up the street, all the way to Webster Elementary School. Once in a while, some hippie would drop an apple into our bags. Those ended up being hucked down the road in front of us. We'd find much satisfaction as we watched red delicious apples explode into chunks as they skipped into hundreds of juicy little pieces. Apples. Give me a break. How dare you? Candy. We needed candy. It was getting dark, so we decided that we better start back for home. The fastest way back, of course, was, well, was the access road that led through the middle of the cemetery. We were all hesitant to go through there at night, on Halloween. A few kids decided they would just walk around the border of the cemetery on the opposite side of the street to avoid any, any problems. Those wimps started out the long way. A few of us, myself, Corey, Todd, Jerry, and Robbie, would walk through the middle of the cemetery and meet the rest of the Sprady cats on the other side. We headed in, silent as mice. The walk we estimated was only four blocks long. We'd have walked the length of it dozens and dozens and dozens of times to get to school, but not in the dark, and once again, not on Halloween. We got about halfway across when we heard chains rattling in the distance. Those were, those were chains, right? It was getting closer. We heard a dog. Coyote, maybe? A werewolf? There was barking on the opposite side of us now. We stopped dead in our tracks. There was, there was silence again. We saw a figure dart across the path in front of us. We heard the rattling of chains again. We were halfway through the cemetery. Do we go back? Do we keep going? What did these demons, what did they want from us? It had to be, it had to be the candy. Well, no one was taking that away from us. They could pry the candy from my dead hands. We all ran for it, straight ahead. As we ran, we heard more noises, more rattling, more barking, more racket. The end of the access road was getting closer. We had made it. We didn't wait for the rest of the kids on the other side. We all ran home as fast as we could. Listen, if anybody was missing at school on Monday, we'd just tell their parents what happened. I finally got home, rattled, but in one piece. I looked down at the candy bag before I opened the gate to go inside. It was all worth it. As I came in, my mom and dad asked how it went. Purposely, I left out the cemetery part of the night's events. If they'd have heard that, they could restrict next year's outing, so mum's the word. I poured my candy out on the kitchen table. Man, what a haul. I dug into a Reese's peanut butter cup. Heaven. Yeah. As usual, the Necco wafers and candy corn were donated to the plump neighbor kid, Todd. Later that next week, I learned the college kids were actually hiding in the cemetery that night, trying to scare kids and make them drop their candy bags. Well, I don't have to tell you. The Halloween after that, we trick-or-treated in the other direction.
Thanks, Tom. Next up is Monster Matt Patterson. It was during the 1970s, late 1970s. Uh, I was probably nine years old at the time, and I discovered a book called Movie Monsters, Monster Makeups, and Monster Shows to Put On by Alan Ormsby. Now, I truly wanted to use the makeup instructions to become Frankenstein's monster. There was a great little section in there where it described how to make your own headpiece. Well, uh, we didn't have the material or the time. I don't really know which one it was. Um, so my stepmother decided to make uh, Dracula's makeup for me for Halloween. And that was, you know, fine and everything, but um, there were some problems. <laughs> uh, for my costume, I had a dress shirt, uh, dress pants, and my cape, if you want to call it that, was a uh, large black uh, garbage bag, probably the 32-gallon variety, I would assume. And... Um, it was sort of fashioned in the shape of a cape, um, and she followed the instructions, made the makeup, and we did kind of of a test, and it worked, and it didn't look too bad, I, I guess. I have no photographic evidence of this. I really wish I did, but at the same time, I don't wish I did. <laughs> uh, so then a couple of days later, it came to be Halloween and time for me to put on the makeup and go to school like any good little monster would. Um, here is the problem. My sisters didn't have the exact batch of makeup that my stepmother made. So they uh, tried to recreate what she did using the recipe in the book. Uh, but for whatever reason, they put a few things that shouldn't have been or left something out. I don't know. I was, I was nine years old. Um, but what wound up happening is during the course of the day, my whole entire face, forehead, cheeks, neck, you know, everything all began to harden and uh, I couldn't move my mouth. <laughs> ah, it makes me miss Halloween's of old. Thanks, Monster Matt. Next up is a new contributor to the Retroist podcast, Tommy Baldwin. You might know him as Cultured Zombie on the Retroist blog. Now, as far back as I can remember, Halloween has always been my favorite holiday, and I used to spend a ton of time trying to get ready for it. But one particular year, in around 1985, I wanted to really be something scary. In the past, I'd always been kind of something kind of cutesy that was like a hand-me-down for my sister. The tough thing was convincing my mother to let me be something scary. Now, my strategy worked like this. The next time we went to the grocery store, I was going to try to convince her to let me be something scary. Now, normally these trips were a nonstop negotiation with me and her, and I would try to like get out of the store with something kind of cool like a breakfast cereal or a comic book or something. But this time, I was going to have to put all my skills to their utmost to try to walk away with the costume that I really wanted. Now, the grocery store out by me used to have a seasonal aisle, and the aisle was kind of broken up. As you went back, the costumes would get scarier and scarier. So on this trip, with my mother, I made a bargain with her. I said, hey, listen, I am going to go look at costumes and try to pick something out. And this way I won't be nagging you the whole time trying to get a breakfast cereal or something. So she was all about this. So I headed over there. Now, once I entered the aisle, I moved directly back where all the creepy costumes were. And back there, I saw it. 
It was the most perfect Dracula costume. And once I saw that amazing scary face through that plastic cellophane window, I knew I had to be that for Halloween that year. Now at this point, my mom kind of had snuck up on me and I really didn't get a chance to practice my pitch. So I just nervously showed her the costume in its little box and she took one look at that scary thing and said, there's no way you're gonna be that for Halloween. So reluctantly, I got packed up in our family station wagon and went back to our house. My quest did not end there. Over the next couple of weeks, my mom would show me a bunch of my sister's hand-me-down costumes or try to convince me to be something equally lame like a hobo or something like that. And my strategy was to turn down every costume until she had no other choice but to buy me that Dracula costume. So flash forward to the night before Halloween. I still don't have a costume. And I'm sitting there at the dinner table getting extremely worried that I'm not going to have a costume to go trick-or-treating in. So I turned to my only viable option, which is my father. I said, listen, pops, I don't have a costume yet and I need one for school tomorrow. We're having a parade. I explained to him how important it was for me to be something scary that year and especially for the parade. We were going to go around from class to class and I was going to finally, you know, impress my friends and be something spooky. So he reluctantly agreed. We headed back over to the grocery store. Once we were at the store, I realized that I had made a fatal flaw in my plan. And that is you do not wait for the night before Halloween to get your costume. The store was decimated and there really wasn't any other costumes left. But we still headed back there to see what we could find. And lo and behold, there was one vampire costume left. I grabbed it, I grabbed my dad, and we headed for home. Now once I was home, I you know, really couldn't sleep. I really wanted to try this costume out. I was super excited about it. So my parents and my sisters agreed to kind of hang out a little bit and I was going to try the costume on. And they were going to get to see me in it. I went back in the bathroom and I put it on. I immediately knew something was wrong when I put the mask on. It had really full, kind of girly lips, and also the costume had earrings. Then I knew it was in real trouble because when I put on the plastic kind of costume, I, I realized that it didn't have pant legs. It was more of a dress. And the final clincher was, usually they put a character on the front of the plastic jumpsuit to kind of represent what you were. Instead of there being a vampire there, there was a sexy vamp there instead. Now this definitely was a letdown, but I wasn't going to let it affect my ability to go trick-or-treating tomorrow. So I went out there and I gave my family a show. I was running around trying to be as scary as I could, but all I really got in return was a lot of laughter. So the next day at school was also pretty hilarious. I went from classroom to classroom uh, in my costume. And every time I would go into the classroom, you know, the, the teachers at the front of the door would always kind of make a remark. And they'd be like, ooh, what a scary little girl you are. And for some odd reason, every time they said that, I would rip the mask off and defiantly say, I'm not a scary little girl, I'm a scary little boy. Thanks, Tommy. Our next story comes from Ashley Thomas. Halloween has always been a favorite time of year for me. I love dressing in costume. I love the excuse to eat Count Chocula for breakfast every day of the month. I loved trick-or-treating as a kid and sometimes wish I could still go out without getting looks of derision. However, nothing gets me in the Halloween spirit more than watching all my favorite Halloween television specials. No matter how old I get, every year I pull out my VHS recorded version of Disney's Halloween Treat. Watching this Disney special every year, from my first viewing around age four or five until today, it never fails to get me into a spooky mood. As a kid, I loved the show, but it also scared me quite a bit. There were a few snippets that really freaked me out. 
notably the Wicked Queen from Snow White and Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. These villainesses have always given me the heebie-jeebies, but nothing scared me more about this Halloween special than the night on Bald Mountain. If you've ever seen this uh, special or the original Fantasia, you know how creepy a night on Bald Mountain is. Doing more research as an adult, I learned that the monster atop Bald Mountain is none other than the devil himself. No wonder I was scared. That brings me to the story I'd like to tell you tonight. I'd like to tell you about my sister's first viewing of A Night on Bald Mountain. She was about three years old. I was around six. We were going to watch Disney's Halloween Treat together. Now, whenever I get ready to watch a TV special, my routine is not unlike that of the retroist. Whenever this special would air, I'd grab my favorite snacks, milk and cookies when available, or some Halloween candy procured from my family stash. I'd grab my snacks and settle in to watch. My younger sister would often watch these specials with me. This particular time, we were excited to watch Disney's Halloween Treat. I'd seen it a couple times before, but she'd not seen it at all. We began watching, and lo, a night on Vault Mountain began. We both got scared watching it, but upon this first viewing, my sister ran screaming from the room. Trying to be the brave big sister, I endured the rest of the segment, pretending like I wasn't creeped out. My sister didn't finish Disney's Halloween treat that night, but I did. However, I must admit, when entering the dark hallway to go to bed, I ran all the way to my bedroom, trying to escape the shadow of Bald Mountain in my mind. Thanks, Ashley. And, finally, a brand new submission. It was just dropped off on my desk from Vic Sage. Hello, friends. October is here once again. It's absolutely hands down my favorite time of the year. The weather is getting cooler, and the trees turn the most beautiful shades of orange and yellow. Then there's the fun of dressing up and taking my nieces and nephew trick-or-treating. I love seeing all of the wonderful costumes on display as we walk their neighborhoods. Of course, every once in a while, there is an amazing Halloween party. The greatest one I ever attended was thrown by my friend Doug back in the early 2000s. With the help of about 20 people, he created a haunted house that... Oh! <laughs> Hello, dear listeners. Sage, it would seem, has gotten very sleepy and looks to need a good lie down. Besides, did you really want to hear him prattle on about a party? All Hallow's Eve, however, is the best time of the year. Victor managed to get that part correct at least. Although, for myself, I remember the monster shows as they were sometimes called Midnight Ghost Shows. In 1929, a visionary showman by the name of Erwin Charles Peck would create the first Midnight Ghost Show, held in the movie palaces of old, using a formula of about 10 to 15 minutes of build up for the audience by a host, in effect to make sure the teenagers and little kitties were primed for being scared. There would follow magic tricks and illusions before the audience was subjected to the blackout, 
Around three minutes of darkness, when skeletons and various monsters of legend would appear to terrorize those in attendance. It was in the 1950s and 60s that some of the most famous monster shows came about, thanks to the additions of what we call glow-in-the-dark paint, as well as those movie theaters that allowed wires to be installed so glowing spirits of the dead could swoop by overhead during the blackout moments. Of course, the real reason for these types of shows were to combat the threat of television, which was black-handedly stealing the audience from theater seats by showing classic monster films for free. So to compete, the Midnight Spook shows would ramp up the fear factor with a healthy dose of gore as well as some shows for a mature audience providing scantily clad showgirls. Although, not in any theater that I presided over. The drive-ins were able to cash in on the very real money to be made by the midnight shows, but of course had to alter it in some creative ways. Many a patron of the haunted drive-in found themselves startled by a creature of the night, Tapping on their car window, of course, at my drive-in. There were times when the gore was quite real, eh? The midnight shows also were adopted by those individuals we know as horror hosts on the television. But that is a subject for a Saturday Frights podcast, I believe. Oh, my head. You have to be more careful, my boy. You fell right out of your seat and bumped your head again. Yeah? Oh man, the back of my head hurts. Yes, yes. Let's take you down to level 11 and get that looked at. That sounds like a good idea. Oh, what about my spot on the Retroist Halloween special? I took care of it for you. Let's just say happy Halloween to the dear listeners, eh? Happy Halloween, Halloween. friends. Well... That was a bit of a surprise, although lately it seems to be happening a lot. Now before I leave you, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about Halloween I remember. Like most kids, I really wanted to be able to scare people on Halloween. This despite the fact that I was very easily scared myself. I also didn't fully understand what modern scary was. I thought it would be really kind of creepy if... I took all of my sister's stuffed animals and dolls and lined them up in her room, just in a line in the middle of the floor. I was young, so I didn't know what I was doing or if this would be scary. My sisters were downstairs watching TV. I had come back from Halloween. They weren't even watching Halloween shows when I got in. But I thought this is still the perfect time. And After sorting my candy with my mom, I ran upstairs, went into their rooms, which I wasn't supposed to do, grabbed all their stuffed animals, and lined them up on the floor, like a little army. And I had a good amount of them. Then I went downstairs, sat on the couch, ate some candy, joked, and waited. Then my one sister went upstairs. Nothing. I didn't hear anything. Eventually, my second sister went upstairs. Nothing. Then that sister comes back down, goes in the kitchen, just goes about her night. I was livid. How could they have not have freaked out by this great display of stuffed animal horror? Well, I went upstairs myself, heard my sister in the one room talking on the phone, got exasperated and opened the door to my room, 
and sitting on my bed were dozens of stuffed animals all staring at me. Now, I had prepared this very stunt to scare my sisters, and yet I'm the one who freaked out, and I screamed. A scream that should have shattered glass and almost fell down the stairs running away from the cuddly horror that was sitting in my bedroom. My sisters were cracking up. Now, this was a good type of scare, one that would go away, or so I thought. I never looked at these stuffed animals the same again. I guess if you're going to scare somebody, it's kind of good to find the things that would scare you and maybe use it. But you better be careful, because you never know when they're going to turn that right back at you. I have to give it to my sisters. They knew how to handle a little brother, and in doing so, they created a very memorable Halloween memory. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can stop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to all the contributors who helped make this Halloween special, well, special. Thanks to Tom Burgess. You can find Tom on the Retroist writing posts about Bigfoot very often and a lot of other great 70s and 80s subjects. Tom also has his own website, IGrewUpStarWars.com, which has amazing photos of people growing up Star Wars. Thanks to Monster Matt Patterson. Monster Matt is the man of a thousand bad monster jokes and the author of Monster Matt's Bad Monster Jokes Volume 1, Ha Ha Horror and Bride of Ha Ha Horror. Both very fun titles to say. Thanks to Tommy Baldwin from Warpo Toys. You can check out some amazing toys from Warpo. We posted them at The Retroist. And of course over at Warpo.com where you can see what the Warpo team is up to. You gotta love those Lovecraft toys. Thanks to Ashley Thomas, the nerdy blogger. Ashley writes about nerdy life on her blog, nerdyblogging.wordpress.com. She's also a freelance writer. And you can find more information about her writing at facebook.com slash thenerdyblogger. There you'll also find posts about retro gaming, comics, superheroes, film, literature, and television. Everything a person who follows the retroist should love. You can also follow Ashley on Twitter at twitter.com slash thenerdyblogger. Oh, and I should not forget Vic Sage, who has been taking a great many blows to the head lately. I think I should head down to the retroist vault and check on him. I think I need to install some security cameras down there. You can follow Vic here on the Retroist on a regular basis. He also has several podcasts, including Saturday Frights, which he hosts with The Projectionist, who you heard taking over for Vic. Guy's a troublemaker. And Vic also does Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast, both amazing shows that you can find on The Retroist and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to this special. I hope you have a safe and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween? Well, happy Halloween. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.